1: On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Stay tuned to the end of the interview, as always, where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights are also in the show notes. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for all the reviews. Thanks for all the awesome feedback. If you want to leave a rating and review, wow, I would really appreciate that. So you can do that on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Now, on to my guest for today, John Scott, co-founder of Scopestack. John started out as an engineer working in IT services, providing configuration and installations for businesses. He moved into pre-sales where he became intimately acquainted with not only the sales process, but also the preparation of documents providing the scope of work for the pre-sales process. This time-consuming process was full of potential problems, and John sent out to solve all this. That's why he co-founded Scopestack, which provides a SaaS solution for statements of work for IT services companies, helping streamline the process and thus saving lots of time, money, and frustration for everyone. Now, after over three years since starting Scopestack, John believes his success so far is due to his understanding of the problem his product solves. As someone who is in the industry, he can go to potential clients and explain how he was in their shoes and how their software will help. He calls this earning the secret. He became a Nerd who can talk to people by pushing himself farther to do what needed to be done to close the sale. I love that. Nerd who can talk to people. What a great, what a great comment. Now, let's get better together. John Scott, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jared. Well, I am a little bit apprehensive, I'm a little bit scared. (laughs) And I'm a little bit confused, which happens right. primarily because we're talking about some sales stuff. And we're talking about proposals, which I, yes, I do them, but I, <laughs> I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, it's a bad word to a lot of people. <laughs> exactly, right? Because um, yeah. you're, you know, you work at a company called Scope. Stack, I'm gonna make sure I got that right. Nailed Scope stack, nailed yeah. it. Thank you. Um, I was like working on your name too <laughs> ahead of time, so I nailed your name too. Um, and uh, and and you, you're a SaaS company and you do some uh, a product related to sales and proposals and everything. And, and we're gonna yep. get all, all into that because I think a lot of people know when they listen to the show, I have a hard time with sales. I'm trying really hard to like it, trying really hard to <laughs> yeah. do more of it. Um, yeah, I've Appreciate how important it is, and I appreciate that what you guys are doing is trying to help that process. So this I'm really excited about because, awesome. again, it's something that I need to learn. But yeah, before man. we do that, and before we get all into the details, nitty gritty, so to speak, uh, yeah, tell us uh, how you got to do what you're doing today.
2: Yeah. So um, we've been around for about three and a half years now. Um, and prior to that, um, I was working at some IT services companies. So... Uh, For those of you that don't know what IT services is, say you own a building, you want to install wireless in your building, you go to one of these companies and say, hey, sell me the product and the hardware. Plus, also, can you configure and install it for me? Um, So my role prior to to ScopeStack was always acting as a pre-sales engineer. So I sat next to the salesperson, right? And I bridged the gap between them and the engineers doing the work because I also used to be an engineer doing that work. And so I would help both be a part of the sales process, really convert their business problems into actual solutions using uh, products that we would resell at these IT companies. And so by my nature and my background, like I've always been really into just problem solving and pre-sales is a great role to be in because you get to spend other people's money to solve problems that they have. Um, So literally no budget or sometimes there's a budget, right? But it's more than you personally would have most of the time. Um, and so, you know, pre-sales in that role, it was always, you had to build out the quote or the bill of materials. So what is the product included? Plus you had to price out those services to configure, install, you know, that equipment at the client. And like that, that part is what we saw the scope stack. So that part is all done like in Excel and word for everywhere from like billion dollar organizations down to a couple million dollar organizations. Like they all do it that way. Right. Which is just mind blowing still to this day. I mean,
1: we used to run the entire semiconductor fab at Cypress Semiconductor on spreadsheets for a while. (laughs) Right.
2: Right. So nothing against Bill Gates or spreadsheets. No. Right. But like, that's where a lot of businesses get built is how do you replace spreadsheets? Um, And again, like the cool part about having it in a web-based fast delivered platform is we can start integrating with other things. And so again, we'll, we can get more of that um, in a minute, but that's, that's where I came from. So I was in pre-sales, IT pre-sales, and solving a problem with ScopeStack that I had in that
1: role. Is this your first startup?
2: It is. It is. So, wow, the jump was scary. It was scary. You know, I was getting paid plenty of money to not have a startup, and you know, to look at my wife and be like, "I think this is the thing that we need to do," and and like for the first time, because I always have crazy ideas. Mm. So in my head, I've always been an entrepreneur. I've just never done anything with it. So for her to be like, okay, I can see it in your eyes this time. Like I can see this. I'm like, Oh, Oh crap. (laughs) I got to do something now with this. And so we did. And it's, um, it's been working.
1: That's great. Yeah. I always tell people, uh, like, listen to your spouse. (laughs) Right. (laughs) A lot of, a lot of people don't take that advice. And I'm like, well, what's the one person other than your mom and your dad that has your best interest at heart? I mean, right. Generally it's, yeah. Your spouse and they're all in right like they
2: gotta live yeah. with you <laughs> so exactly so i don't think either of us knew what we were getting into but it's been quite a journey and um you know it's been good
1: stuff man for sure yeah no that's i highly probably... really recommend it yeah yeah I mean, at least once like you gotta at least
2: one yeah you gotta try it like because well and seriously like that was one of the things that she was like she told me she's was like i don't want you you know towards the end of your life being like man i wish i would have done that and like you having all these regrets. So like why we can, you know, still young. I mean, we do have two young kids, but so there's a lot going into like making that decision. It's a big decision. No, it's like a huge don't decision. take that yeah, don't take that lightly, but um, you know, you gotta do it at least once. You're right. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, yeah. you basically your spouse is your first investor, I always say. Like <laughs> Yeah. They may I'm not like, give hey, you yeah. They may not you know, give you money. money. Saved <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or they may give you money. Right. <laughs> right. All this money we saved up together.
2: Like I want to use that.
1: Yeah. To do something. Yeah. Yeah. But they, they but, got, the, they do the most important uh, role as your first investor. They're the, uh, they're the ones that kind of keep, keep you together. I mean, they're the, yes. you know, the only ones that can be like, okay, I think you need to calm down, you know? Like, <laughs> right. Right. So true. If you don't get buy-in from the spouse, not was, good. Not, not a good start. Well, Yeah. Does, does, yeah. She, does she, is she in IT too? Or is she, what, what's her, what's her? Background? No. So
2: um, she's not. So her, her background was all in education. So she oh. was a teacher and uh, now she takes care of our kids at home and she, she does a lot um, so that I can do what I'm doing. So it's huge for sure.
1: Oh, wow, that's great. Yeah. So yeah. It's a, it's definitely a team effort. It's definitely. Team it effort. is for sure. Got a good team. Yeah. That's great. And so how like so it's been three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, how how's the growth been? How's the marketplace response? I mean, this is a very niche thing, like, you know, it is IT yeah. proposal automation, like of course I'm butchering <laughs> it, but I can see like that like you mentioned, there's a lot of these kind of companies that boy, that process is so broken. Yeah. How can we so make it just- better?
2: Yeah, to put it in context, there are about 200,000 of them globally, um, according to some of the distributors that we work with. Um, So, and and it's crazy. It's it's such a small world, but such a big world at the same time. And like, the fact is like, they all think they do things differently. And what we have realized over the past three and a half years is that they don't, there are certain, you know, certain ways that they do things, but like the way they price a service, like that math is the same Hmm. everywhere you go. Um, so the fact that yes, it's a niche problem, but I'd say 85, 90% of them have the problem hmm. just represents a huge opportunity, you know, to, to solve it, solve it well. Um, and again, that kind of gets into, you know, what, what made us successful, which was like, we came from that industry. Like we had that problem. We, you know, there's this whole concept of like an earned secret, right? Like I had the I earned that secret having worked in these organizations. Like I felt that pain. So, you know, the first, you know, couple years of the business, like that's what I was leaning on to go sell this product. It was not, you know, I don't, I don't think you need this. And like, it was, it was not like sleazy salesperson type stuff. It was purely me talking to them about a problem that I had, how we've solved it with this product. And it was just really authentic, hmm. you know? Um, and I'd say like, that's been the key to our success on the sales side of just having really authentic conversations and not, um, asking questions, right. Knowing the problem that they have and just being authentic has, has been huge.
1: Yeah. So, so this is clearly like a B2B, like your yeah. customers are these IT service companies. Correct. That, yeah, B2B. Like you said, yeah, B2B, like there's so a couple of hundred thousand of them worldwide that literally, as you mentioned before oh i'm building out a building and i need to run cable or whatever like yeah the the infrastructure of a company and i'm i'm curious cuz see th- th- there's interesting because this is sort of an anal- not exactly analogous so don't 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 yeah. don't get me wrong um, there there's sort of analogous to what they do in real estate to to as first order like i had a friend that built a company on real estate, like work orders for like fixing things. And they also had the same kind of billing structure and same kind of quoting structure for like infrastructure projects. Cause eventually like we have to replace this roof or whatever. And they had to kind of bid it and quote it. Cause they were the contractor, their platform, um, management companies would, would, would purchase. Right. Um, and so they, so I'm assuming that the IT companies like it's a SAS model. So they purchase your software or they, you know, have a subscription or whatever. Yep. Um And so is it then like what they had to do is they had to, um they didn't, they had to configure, not customize, which is a, which for him was a, he like learned this the hard way. He's like configure, never customize. Cause I think to your point, right. Like 80, 95% of the things are exactly the same. It's just, oh, we want it to look a little different. Or yeah. oh, we don't do it that way. We we do this calculation. So have you right. found the same thing where you've had no, to that's,
2: that's a really good analogy. I mean, the one that we often use, like when we're onboarding new clients, is like the home builder. Mm. Right. I mean, that's exactly yeah. that. So it's like you're configuring the house. You're not custom, it's not a custom built house, right? We're configuring the service um, or the house or whatever. But yeah, you're spot on. Um, and so what you know, like the way we used to try to create that speed and that consistency was using like SKUs or package solutions where we take this thing and be like, hey customer, I know you said you want XYZ, but here's A B C. It's pretty close to what you need, and right, and like you could never configure it or you could never customize that because it's a skew, it's a package, like you can't, that's the whole point, right? And so like, that's how people like these large organizations would try to create speed and efficiency. Well, now with our platform, you have the same speed and efficiency side, but now I can configure it and I can like very detailed go in and change the price of the service, change the level of effort, how long it takes the resource. So I can configure it to align to my client's needs. And all the while, like everyone's doing it the same way. We're presenting one voice to our clients as opposed to Tom and Billy and Jerry's version with their spreadsheet that they're quoting every single time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He, he yeah. found it as a very, this whole uh, configuration versus customization was his like aha moment.
2: Yeah. Because I mean, I, that, that was kind of an aha moment for me. And like, just the way you said that configure versus customize, like that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. And, and, and I never knew this, right. Well, yeah, like that's why I talked to <laughs> smart people. Cause like, what the hell right. do I know? Right. But, <laughs> but so, so then, my guess is that you have customers that are competitors to each other would be my guess.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So they have the ability to define their own services in their own account, Hmm. but they're all following the similar this this same mechanics around how the services are configured. So they might offer different services or yeah, they might be competitors and quite honestly, like, so like the, the, um, the stat that we talk about is like it, it takes typically 19 business days for you as an end user. When you say, Hey, it company, I want you to install wireless 19 business days for me to get you back a statement of work. Wow. Like that's crazy.
1: That's pretty long. It, yeah.
2: It's all spreadsheet. Like it's all manual copy and paste and like doing all this stuff approvals. Right. And like we can get it done in like minutes. And so think about the competitive advantage in in terms of talking about competitors. Like if I have the scope stack in my hands and I can sit there with the client and have the same conversation, I can bang out and figure a solution for them right there as opposed to waiting 19 days. Who do you think has the advantage in that scenario?
1: Oh, right. Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty obvious. Like I've got, you know,
2: (laughs) and like organizations that I used to, to work at, like we would try to go after we were all built around going after enterprise accounts anytime we try to go after commercial, that small set, like we need to go even faster. We just weren't built to do that uh, because we were you know, doing it the old fashioned way. So um, we're seeing like, and that's that was always my ideal moment was I want to be able to sit in front of a client, configure this, qualify the opportunity to the extent that I can, give them at least the idea that we've done this before right because like to think of it as like an end user like if someone does that versus waiting for 19 days you're like they don't know what they're
1: doing you know yeah i um, would much rather have the collaborative white essential virtual whiteboard session where they're like piecing yeah. out what i need and then saying okay yeah yeah here's the quote and you're like right really <laughs> okay okay uh right okay well uh i need to get two more of these quotes uh huh <laughs> I yeah. hope it hope it goes that quick you know
2: yeah you really don't though you know no
1: so. no it never does it never does it's just because <laughs> it's so fascinating how because that's so is that pre-sales like this is the thing that confuses the heck out of me
2: yeah
1: so I always thought sales was sales of sales but can you explain a little bit about what pre-sales is and what that why that matters because I know in certain businesses, like that's super important to have. It's like the pre-pipeline, right? Which again, these. Yeah.
2: So, so pre-sales, you know, if you think about it visually, like there's sales on one end of the spectrum and you have the delivery organization, the engineers that would do the work that you're trying to sell. pre sale sits in between those two and really bridges the gap between. You know, talking to the client, interacting with the client, understanding their business, and then converting that into a solution that then these engineers can go deliver, right? And like they are, they are purpose built because they ideally they used to be an engineer, so they know like the ins and outs of the solution that they're talking about. But and they're kind of like a Jedi Knight, right? Like uh, a nerd that can talk to people is pretty special.
1: And you can whoa, whoa, I see. that's like a. That would be called a unit, not a unicorn. That would be called a Pegasus unicorn. A a pre-sales engineer. Yeah. That's a good one.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So they're like, you know, we're part of like, uh, there's some really good organizations out there, like pre-sales collective and we, the sales engineer, like their whole organization now built to support that pre-sales community. But um, specifically in our side, and like that, that's what I was like. So I started my career as an implementation engineer at a hospital system. Mm and then. I was like, oh, wait, I can get paid more and like, I don't have to, you know, sit in closets and do cutovers at midnight. Okay. I like that gig. And so thankfully I was able to also talk to people. And so like, it, I loved the whole pre-sales world and engaging with clients and the part that I don't like, or I didn't like. And a lot of the people that I worked with or reported to me that didn't like was the document creation part mm. of a statement of work. Cause that all landed on the pre-sales team. Mm. Now there are a couple of different ways, like people will try to have whole teams that will do that. And so they offload that from the pre-sales team member, but majority of the organizations I've been at, have been that responsibility sits on the pre-sales person. And we also know like there's a direct correlation between having a pre-sales engineer involved in your selling of the opportunity with your win rate going up. Hmm. So if they're not there with you and they're not there helping you sell, they're out here doing word document creation, copying, pasting, which there's zero value add in that moment. Right. (laughs) um, right, Then, right. You're taking them away from, from critical, you know, part of the whole engagement, but you're spot on. That was pre-sales.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause we used to have in the semiconductor business, we used to have these uh, application engineers. Okay. Which I think were equivalent. um, Yeah. Cause they would go out and, a customer would want to do something and they'd be like, yeah, okay. We can architect it. And, or they would do like reference designs. And yeah. it was a whole, it was a whole thing. Yeah. Uh, no,
2: that's, that's it.
1: Yeah. And, and they were, they were pretty instrumental in a lot of cause so when, when you sell semiconductors, right. Okay. So you go, okay. Do you want like a sample? You want 10 or do you want a million? Like that's <laughs> like, that's the sure. volumes, right? What? Well, I, I'm yeah. being a little facetious. Some of them are way more expensive than that. But how you got a design win to put your chip on a board so that board would go into a piece of electronics, like a mouse or a keyboard or a wireless yeah. router or whatever, was a lot of times the, the customer, the end customer, would would have engineering. But they, but they weren't experts in, like, we have yeah, this thing. That's called, what they call you. Yeah. With this thing called PSOC, programmable sponsor. They weren't experts in it, but they know they needed it. So the application engineers with the sales team and the marketing team would, you know, go in and go, Oh, we could build this. Here's a reference design. And so it sounds a little similar. Like, yeah, you want those, you want those people talking to end customers because those are the ones that generate the,
2: the interest. You do. Yeah. Because I mean, they can like very quickly dispel any myths about the product or the solution or what, like, Instead of going and, you know, taking the time of the engineers actually like installing or writing the code or doing whatever, but yeah, it's a huge part of it. Right. And so like, if you can, you know, a big part of our thesis, if you will, is like we can get them out of doing this cumbersome copy paste thing and back into that. Like it just makes the business better. We can, you know, go after more opportunities, more consistent, or right? Like there's just a ton of value around fixing that, that pre-sales problem.
1: Yeah, if you could get them, yeah, more efficient at that and almost enjoying yep. it to a certain degree. I don't know if anyone ever really enjoys paperwork. <laughs> but
2: Yeah, but again, there's... we make it we make it fun with UI as yeah. opposed to copy and paste.
1: Yeah, because I can only imagine. <laughs> hey, yeah. can you give me that old quote? And I'll take the old quote and I'll just change the name and, oh, we forgot That's this. what people do.
2: Like That's what they do. They're yeah. like, you know – I have a statement of work to write. I'm gonna go find the last one that I did. Which I thought it was pretty good. And as you can imagine, like it just kind of like adds on itself. Like if you mess that one up and you mess this one up, and you mess that like it just builds and builds and builds.
1: Yeah. It was so Matt.
2: so one of the very first like customers that reached out to us like early stage was okay, we have a problem. We just scoped out like this Microsoft migration for this bank. You know, but we had this other bank come in and say they want to do the same thing. Well, we took that statement of work. We modified it and presented it to that. Unfortunately, we had that old bank's name all over the statement of work. Oh, oh, And so, no. and so oh. like, there was like, apparently like, this big, you know, executives ripping people's heads off. We call that a resume generating event.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Yes. Yeah, RGE. You
2: yeah, you don't want the RGE at all. <laughs>
1: resumating generation event. Oh that's the that's the first time I've ever heard that. I love that. There you go. Yeah you can I, have uh, that one. Oh thank you. I'm gonna steal it. I, I love stealing these little things just because you know like it's super cool. Wow okay yeah that's 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 pretty silly. Well you know like sometimes like if track changes are on or if someone doesn't clear out changes and someone's just savvy enough to like look at the history they can <laughs> Like if this document's been around for a while, like yeah, I remember, just don't do it. Yeah, yeah, I remember. It's some of the boy there was at one company. Yeah, that this same document had been around for a decade.
2: Just, I mean, it's true. Like, all like if it's not the document, it's the pricing tool. So, like that hasn't been updated, and who knows how long. So, you know, the things that you're pricing out now are not even relevant, right? Like for what is out there today in the market. And so again, like. That's a big part of like our value. Is it's not just the language, but it's the pricing. So we combine, mm-hmm. we combine the pricing, which was done in Excel, and we provide the language, which was done in Word, bring it into one dot into one platform. So, as I'm making decisions on pricing. It's dictating what language comes out in my final document, um, whether it's a statement of work or a services proposal or, or whatnot. Um, yeah. So the same, the same way we like, like, you hit the nail on the head. Like, we built this platform for pre-sales people right? Like we built it to, to sit right there in that gap. And so the same way we've you know built it for that job role or function is how we've architected the software. So we integrate with CRMs, we integrate with project management tools. And so like, you know, pull an opportunity from the CRM, the client's name is spelled, right. It's the right client, <laughs> right. All the basics are, you know, filled in the, the client's name is spelled correctly. Um, plus we didn't have to type it out because engineers are lazy. Oh yeah. We don't want to have to do that. Right. Right. Like, you know um, so pull all that in scope our project and then we can then pass that off and integrate with like the project management team and give them all the work that they need to do as opposed to what I used to do which is give them the statement of work and you're like here you go convert that into a project plan and a work breakdown and yeah you have fun with that. Right.
1: It's an it's a mess. Well well I think I think this is a really great point when when you when you bring up the, the, so we're talking about IT, you know, that's okay. Yeah. General infrastructure. Okay. That's well-known. IT has been around for a long time, but when you, when you're, when you're startup and you're trying to figure out your processes uh, and this is the one thing that, that, that prevents scale is literally yeah. you just sort of run out of process. Like nobody knows what to do and it gets so onerous and, and, then you know, tools like yours pop up and 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 it's the, the general methodology is you need to systematize your process and your business to scale. Right. And um, this is one thing that as companies go to market, is this is the falter. This is why it like costs so much money, because like what you've done is let's say you were an IT company, a brand new IT consulting company, and you're scaling and you were doing it the old way, you would, you would hit a brick wall pretty quick because yeah. you can't go fast enough.
2: Well, and like the way these large organizations saw those, they add people.
1: Right. Right.
2: Like a, like a startup or something, like, can't, can't do just it. Like you yeah. can't do that. Right. Um, you know, when you're young. So yeah, spot on.
1: Yeah. And, and it's fascinating because th- there's a lot of parallels to running a business in, how like this, I know it's very specific and it's very yeah. like, you know, but like the thought process is very, um, it, it, I don't know the right word to put it, but this is one of those recurring problems that just so happens to be in IT. It could be in yeah. everything else you do, like fulfillment. Like let's say you're a, a direct to consumer company and you're going to ship a widget and you're like hey I'm crushing it with the e-commerce I got all my digital ads <laughs> nailed down right yeah well if you've ever done this you're thinking oh this is easy everyone does this well no it's actually connecting who makes it to where it goes to where it ships and all that in between is a nightmare and yeah. the scale of it is what you've done with IT right let's systematize yep. it and make these things a little bit easier like it's because No offense.
2: It just gets more more painful if you don't.
1: Right. And no offense, it's it's really not the value add. It's the value add to one part because you got to get the business. Yeah. You would rather spend time solving more customer problems than doing the paperwork. Right. Yeah. And so I'm curious. So since you, I don't know how many, what percentage of like IT firms that you have, but you should have some, I would think you'd have some pretty good data on what different uh, offerings cost and sort of win rates and like the whole, like there's metrics there that are probably pretty valuable. I'm curious, do you guys like yeah. track that or h- how do you go about using what clearly is probably a gold mine of data?
2: Yeah. So um, that's something that we, you know, we are purposely very cautious about using. I mean, mm. we, we have to maintain a position of not, like you have to, you have to generalize it to a certain extent, right? And you have right. to anonymize it. That's even a word, anonymize.
1: I think so. Yeah. It is. I think it. Is. We'll, we'll go with it. Felt good. Felt good. <laughs> um,
2: so like, yes, I think we we could present that at a general level, right? And and yes, we have visibility in all this, but um, and that's something that we have been talking about. Is like you know, so we have an open API coming out. Like, how do we use that API to collect data ourselves and like present that to our clients in a way that helps them? scope projects out and um so yeah that's absolutely um that's the cool part about SaaS in general is there's so much data back there that you either present it offer it to your client as part of the service or you what how do you use that to make them better and again just add additional value to you know their subscription essentially um yeah but you know like it is one thing and and you kind of hit it too like you could really use a platform for any kind of service. And so mm-hmm. that's really the the big picture too, is how do, if we can really do this well, right? Solve the problem of IT services scoping, do that well. What are the other areas that are missing this out? Like you said, roofing, like we had a, we were talking to an IT company and they have clients that are roofers. They're like, we're custom building an app right now to try to do this for them. Yeah. So like, why not that? Right? Like, yeah. As you, there's all sorts of stuff. um, Yeah, you can do. Well, it's a common,
1: it's a very common problem. Yeah, it doesn't take much of a stretch, intellectual stretch, to understand that. Like you fundamentally hit on a major pain point in a services business when it comes to scoping, yeah, pricing, quotes. What?
2: And it's it's a hairy, it's an ugly thing. Oh, it's a hairball.
1: Yeah, it's awful.
2: You know, and so like if you can untangle that, and if you could really have allow your software to have an opinion on like the best way to do it. Um, you know, that's also, there's, there's value in that because people come to you for how, how should I do this? Not, I have this thing and I want to fit it in your platform, but like sometimes we use software to help them understand how they should be doing it better.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a good point. It's a good point because, you know, as, as you just kind of think about, this is especially for B two B. I think you know any kind of yeah services, but probably more in the B two B. You know, I don't want to call it infrastructure, but but generalized, right? Yeah. You know, there's there's a process that the customer that you're trying to pitch or trying to give the you know scope or quote to, they have to follow their process, right? Which usually mm-hmm. takes forever. They you have to follow your process. And the the smoother you can make that transition, like the less friction points, uh, you know, the better for everyone. And even if you even if you lose deals, or even if you know you're not as competitive yet, I've always found that the the friction is what gums things up in the works. And yeah, I don't I don't know if it's just human nature to like ah this is getting too hard. I'm just going to put it out of my mind, or if people have got like you know. ADHD or like they're just like popped <laughs> yeah. up the next thing or whatever, because, you know, in like in semiconductor manufacturing and all that sort of stuff, or even like selling the chips that we made, you know, the cycle times are long and there's like a bunch of planning yeah. and like the quoting and all that stuff. It's, it's a bit more of a nightmare, but. You know, those systems were, were really old and, and, and they were, pretty hard to deal with. Cause see on, on the manufacturing side, that's most, of my job was making these things. Yeah. I, I had to know what demand, I, well, sorry, I needed to know demand so I could load the factory, which right. is a whole other like ball of wax, but <laughs> it, it's the same thing with services. So just imagine you've got a bunch of projects. You need to know how to load your factory and your factory is your people that are going to do it or the components right. or whatever. Um, And the more efficient that kind of process is to get, quote, go, go, the less it's going to change. Because what would happen is, let's say a a deal drags out. Okay, customer says X, Y, takes a while, takes a while. Their expectations are already set at you have availability. And then two months later, you're like, well, sorry, like we're done. You know, Allocations are done. They're going to get pissed off. Whereas opposed to if we could nail that down quick and be like, okay. I yeah, have good. an idea of what's coming, have an idea of what's coming. So I, I think this is also good for load balancing and like, you know, it, it, again, it seems a bit, you know, this is, this is what I always like to say is this is all the blue collar work that no entrepreneur <laughs> likes to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Ah, another spreadsheet. Um, right. Have yeah. you found that too? Like, is it, this is necessary, a necessary function. Don't like hundred percent have to do it but yeah. as you've kind of rolled it out, have you kind of found that people are just like, Oh, like I'm relieved because they could do other things or how, how has the impact been on your customers?
2: Yeah. I mean, the impact's been huge um, because it, you know, it reduces the amount of time it takes to generate a document. It allows you to go after more revenue. Um, you know, the, you're getting the right resources, not doing the wrong things. I know it was poor grammar, but like, you're getting that pre-sales engineer out of document copy and paste and into client meetings, which is why you pay them as much as you do, which is a lot typically some of the most valuable IE expensive resources in an organization are pre-sales. So you don't want them doing this. And, and again, you can't just throw bodies at this problem with lower paid resources to solve it. Right. No. Like there's, there's it's gotta a, be it's like a highly a
1: skilled. Yeah. It's a skill. Yeah, yeah. It's
2: a process thing. Like you can build a process around it, let, you know, let junior engineers consume the standards of senior like for the whole thing you can do there but you know that's you know from a startup standpoint like on the other side on our side like that is the benefit of starting a plat uh starting a business today because we have the benefit of all these really cool SaaS platforms that
1: oh yeah good you point. know
2: they're they're all cloud based um we don't we didn't build our business on excel so we don't have to replace it or just or spreadsheets again I have nothing against excel google sheets same thing and they have their time in place, but like to your point like building a process, whether it's a sales process, uh, an operations, R and D market, like there needs to be systems in place. And, and I'm thankful for having built a startup in the, the day and age, which we have because it, it just makes that dramatically easier, but there's still hard work to it, right? Like software is only as good as like the business process you can put into it. Um, so don't also don't hear me say you can start a startup and you'll be successful because they're cloud apps. Like not it's not the case. No, um, not at all. At all. But.
1: Not at all. So yeah, I mean, so you're first time entrepreneur. Yep. What are what are some of the things that you've learned that you're like, gosh, I wish someone would have told me this <laughs> when I got into it?
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think um, and you and I chatted about it earlier, but like importance of sales so as a Mm. pre-sales like the standard pre-sales person always gives the sales people a hard time (laughs) just because that's what we do and it's just also it's fun um because you feel like we're doing all the work we're the smart one all that stuff but i will say like having built a business and then being responsible for sales like that junk is hard it is hard to do um and it but it's extremely important like sales solves a lot of problems in a startup right like money yeah, need money. money. And yeah, like the only money. way you're going to do that is if you go sell your product, right? Um, right. so even if you're not comfortable, like I was not comfortable in doing that, and like the way I got around to it is not thinking of myself myself as a salesperson, but thinking of myself as like someone that had that problem. Like I know the problem you had, right? Let me just tell you about the way we are going about fixing that.
1: Right, right, right. Right.
2: Um, but I I was lucky to have like a mentor who called me out. I'm like, guys, like, I don't know, if like, I'm going to be able to build this business to support myself and all this stuff. And he was like, "You said, you don't have to fire to go close deals. Like, it's your responsibility to close those deals and you have to go do it. You know? And I was like, I was too nice at first. So there's a lot of learning around that sales process um, that needed to be done. And it's important. And it doesn't, it, it doesn't have to be sleazy.
1: <laughs> you know? Yeah. Every tech founder on the planet. Just, just cringed a little bit.
2: <laughs> it doesn't have to be.
1: I know. I know. i I tell this to people all the time. I have a hard time with this. I, you know, I, I appreciate the process. I appreciate the talent. I, you know, when you build a product, that's half the battle. The other half is, does someone, is someone actually going to buy this thing? And it seems a bit, true. you know, I don't know, cruel to a certain degree, but. I mean, we're in business for a reason. It's not a charity, and yeah, it's yeah perfectly fine to make money and perfectly fine to you know sustain yourself. But One there's, part of there's there's
2: value in your product, like yeah. they need to pay for the value, right? Right, and like, right. Um, and it does it solves solves a whole lot of problems. And I think the the other thing that I learned, which was helpful, is to start selling sooner rather than later. Hmm. Like don't be the person that builds the product and builds the product and builds a product until you think it's perfect and then go sell it like get something that is the basics of working and like go sell it to someone you know or like start somewhere right like because you can't just build it build it without selling it for two or three years i mean some people can but those people typically will go get investors and sell half their business like yeah that's a whole other yeah. that's a whole other thing right yeah, but like sales yeah. can solve and, and fix some of that for you.
1: Yeah sales um, can fix a lot of things. So are you are you guys bootstrapped or invested Yeah
2: so we we um for the first couple of years we uh bootstrapped a business. Um you know my co-founder was you know doing a lot of things at once <laughs> and um so you know he was doing his thing I was doing my thing. Uh, bootstrapped it we we're we, ha- we are, um, blessed if you will to have um, so there's a state organization here in south carolina called scra and um, they their whole deal is to drive job growth in the state of south carolina and so as okay. part of that they will actually provide grant money and invest in organizations like non-equity dilutive grant money mm-hmm. not debt not anything like grant money it's so yeah. great you can get grant money, should so get grant money. Yeah, for sure. Um, to help us, right? Like in the right stages, the right time. So we were able to go through a couple rounds of that with them. And like, they were extremely helpful in just getting us to the point where we are. And then we, um, we did work with them and raised a, a little bit of money at the beginning of this year. Um, so again, having those people that you work with and you build good business relationships is, is pretty key and very important. Yeah. Yeah. So it also helps to tell, like, tell people you're going to do something and do it.
1: yeah I like that too yeah so so would that be the advice you'd give the next generation of entrepreneur to sort of get good people around you do what you say you're going to do and kind of or is there something else that
2: I think the one thing that helped me and and I we wouldn't have had this business had I not had a job first Mm. like had I not worked and identified that and earned it this secret of the problem of scoping and pre-sale, like I would not, we would not have scope stack. Hmm. Right. So like my suggestion would be get a job, (laughs) get a job, learn about the industry that you're interested in and like find, If you see a problem, then go solve it. Right. Right. Right, As opposed to just having this idea out there and then solving it.
1: Right. Right. Earn the secret.
2: I like secret, that.
1: Yeah. That's another one. So, resume generation event, love that. RGE. Earn the secret ETS. Yes. yes. <laughs> now all we need is TPS reports and we're gold. Right. I know. <laughs> I mean, we
2: got something going there. Yeah,
1: yeah, and you got and you you're in IT. So, yes. we're good to go.
2: <laughs> I love that was it. It's funny. I was like presenting one time on statements and work, I kept calling it a sal. Uh-huh. Um, and a guy asked me, he said, Are you talking about pigs? And I was like, No, I'm not. Yes, I'm not talking about pigs.
1: Yes, yes. My guess is, Yeah, it's those we used to call them TLAs, you have three letter acronyms, right? Yeah, Cyprus was filled to I'm the sure. brim I'm with sure. TLAs, in fact the whole uh, reason these TLAs just got out of control was, well, one, there was a lot of military people. We hired a lot of military people. The second thing is, um, back in the day, we used to have these goals. We used to have these floppy goal disks. And everyone's file name on this floppy disk, because back in the day, Microsoft DOS had only, you know you can only go dot three letters, right? Whatever, like dot exe, dot txt. Each person's goal file would be, you know, Q, whatever, dot your three letter initials. So mm. everyone in Cyprus had a T three letter initials. We didn't know wow. anyone's name. It was just like, these are your three letter initials. That was it. And so I was mine. Mine was G- GCB, right? Which is nowhere close to what my name is, but I, my initials were not available. But that's how we would talk to each other. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's how crazy. I mean, we, talk it about,
2: is. Yeah, cells, we talk about yeah, pre-sales, we talk about salves and bombs, bill of materials, and
1: mm-hmm. there
2: are mm-hmm. plenty of three letter acronyms in this this industry for sure.
1: Yes. So. Yes. And then occasionally when TJ Rogers would get angry, he would throw four letter acronyms, which I Ooh. cannot I cannot say on this <laughs> show because my fiance's daughter sometimes does <laughs> So yeah. yeah, don't do that. <laughs> we won't do Don't it. do that. No. But, but I appreciate your time, uh, John, you know, it, it, cool to kind of talk about, I, it seems so esoteric, but boy, there's a lot here to like, there is think thinking about like, so if you're an entrepreneur thinking about these processes and systems, I mean, just this one thing could could yeah. easily scale your business because you are removing the pre-sales friction, but you're also, yep. you know, and again, sales are important put those processes in place as you start to scale. And, right. you know, I love your advice. Like you can never sell too early. <laughs> so, no, I mean,
2: yeah, you got to do, it. Get, you gotta do sell. it. get out there and sell. Get out there
1: and sell. Always be closing. There you go. Oh, and, aha, there's another one. You yes. must be seeing Gl- uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. <laughs> Coffee is only for closers and always be closers. <laughs> All right. Take care. Stay safe. Thanks John for being on the show. It was uh, pretty cool to hear about your journey and how you can improve the sales process. As everyone knows, I struggle with sales, so uh, it was really informational for me. As promised, here are the actionable insights that I learned from my conversation with John. Get a job in the industry you want to be in. This will give you the first-hand insight into the problems and ideas on how you might solve them well this is exactly what he did right and we always talk about scratch your own itch and solve the problems that you have it's a g- really a great way to do it if you really want to start being an entrepreneur like solve some of the own your own problems and then maybe there's a business there start selling early don't wait until you have a perfect product how many times have we heard this one too right um even sometimes people say sell what you don't have just to see if there's a demand because so, that's the most important thing is to figure out what you're actually going to build someone will actually want. So the quicker you can get an MVP, minimum viable product, the quicker you can get feedback, see if you've got product market fit even before you build stuff because you don't want to waste time and effort, right? So that's why you know scratching your own itch can sometimes be a good way to do that, right? Think of the sales process as helping to solve a problem for your prospect. This helps me tremendously. I am always trying to figure out how do I help solve a problem. That way, for me, I get out of this whole slimy, you know, sales process, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross kind of coffees for closers attitude. So um, that's one thing that's helped me tremendously, and hopefully it'll help you. So there you go the actionable insights from my awesome conversation with John. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur, and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter, at The Daily MBA, and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium?